I pay you because for some reason that psycho Spider-Man will pose for you. Spider-Man won't let me take any more pictures. You've turned the whole city against him. A fact I'm very proud of. Now, get your pretty little portfolio off my desk before I go into a diabetic coma. Boss, your wife's in the line. She said she lost a checkbook. Thanks for the good news. Mr. Jameson, please, isn't there any of these shots you can use? I really need the money. Aww. Miss Brandt? Yes? Give me a violin. in my day presents <laughs> okay welcome everybody to a new episode of back in my day podcast our regular host david petrangelo could not be here today so once again myself michael r power i have the power i'm in the hosting chair so we'll see how this goes and um, today we're going to continue our spider-man talk and we're going to dive into spider-man 2 and spider-man 3 that's the sam raimi Toby Maguire, Spider-Man. We finished uh, our Spider-Man 1 talk in the last episode. That was a lot of fun. Uh, so here with me today to talk Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3 is... Ian Walter. Wife Power. Okay. Ian Walter. Closing out the trilogy. Yeah. Thanks for joining. Thanks for joining me on this uh, Daveless, hostless episode. We're going to do it uh, similar to how we did Spider-Man 1 and how we did our Willow review at least with spider-man 2 and we're going to try to go through the movie in its three acts and and talk about it uh specifically so we're going to spoil the movie uh spoiler 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 warning but before we do that why don't we go over like high level our thoughts and and reactions to the movie watching it again after so many years so let's start with uh ian what are your high level before we dive level? high level thoughts of the movie yeah all right. Well, overall thoughts. I mean, I, I gush about the first one. So it's it's another uh, gushing session about Spider-Man 2, because I think uh, we, we've talked a lot about how this is one of the greatest comic book movies ever made. And I definitely agree with that sentiment, especially at the time it came out. It was uh, I think it was superior to the first and um, it kind of uh I don't know. It solidified at least the Sam Raimi Spider-Man as like some truly special uh, representation of Spider-Man in, on the big screen. So I know, like, you know, it it's kind of tips a dive as we sort of tease ahead to covering Spider-Man three. It kind of takes a dip after that, but I think the trilogy as a whole is still something uh, to behold, and it's something that probably inspired a lot of what we've gotten, even if it's tonally different a lot of what we gotten in, in the future spider-man installments all right um so yeah so ian Great. thinks the spider-man 2 epic one of the best uh superhero comic book movies ever and wife power do you agree i mean it's definitely up there um yeah i really liked it it's my favorite out of this trilogy um i think all three of us have the same kind of well, I don't know what the wife power actually, but I know me and Ian is the sort of our favorites tend to be the second, whether you're talking Empire Strikes Back or Dark Knight. Yeah. Right? It's something about that second movie. It doesn't have to set up, doesn't have to do origin. And it can really yeah. just like take the character places. So uh, wife power is and, is and there's a there's a darkness to this movie in keeping with that theme too. There is, but actually, unlike Empire, which we'll talk about when we talk about the movie, it doesn't end on a dark note, right? It actually ends on mm. a lighter note than the first one. So it's it's interesting it is dark but it's not it's not quite like the empire version. it's not dire i guess yeah dire at the end yeah any more thoughts wife power of the movie as a whole before we get into it oh i don't know i don't want to like 
like spoil anything, but I like I really liked this one. Again, it's my favorite out of the trilogy. Um cool. I think like the third one, I'm glad like we rewatched them because before we started rewatching them, I kind of like was a little bit down on this franchise a bit. Because um, of the third and I one. think it's because the third one left such a bad taste in my mouth that I kind of like associated the other two movies with like the same um like yep. thread of movie but it's like no the first two are like far superior like um i know we'll get into the third movie yep. but like it just felt like a completely different movie completely different franchise like um so yeah i i again i really really like this movie I like the tones of the movie um i think mary jane herself is elevated as a character in this movie compared to the first one um nice yeah you dave said the exact same thing that he said when he said um like something about toy mcguire and it had the spider-man 3 stink on it that's why he that's why he was kind of looking back and that's good to rewatch the first two and realize that you know those you (laughs) you have to judge those movies apart from the third one the stink of that one on it so yeah for me at high level this movie is on the mount rushmore of comic book superhero movies it's top four it was top two for a long time until uh endgame and infinity war came out but i think the mount rushmore of comic book movies for me the top four on my letterbox which i have which is devoted mostly to comic book movies is dark knight spider-man 2 Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame. I think those are the four greatest to date comic book uh, movies that we have. And so for a long time, Spider-Man 2 was, or for a while it was the number one. And then for a long time it was like two. And now I still think it's in top top four. I think it's just, I love love this movie so much. So I'm excited to talk about it. It's my favorite Spider-Man movie overall, not just of this trilogy overall. Nice. Yeah. So let's get into the... uh, plot of the movie here so um where do you guys want to start in the first act do you want to so they open up on he's kind of narrating what's going on with him and and they kind of do that like the alex ross artwork where they go through the i really like that actually with when you have the score playing and they're going through the uh story of spider-man and like catching you up Basically, you've already seen the movie, but now you're going to be refreshed on what happened in the previous yeah, movie. Yeah, I like that too. And it, cool. Yeah, and they kind of continue with that. Like even even though you know we're obviously we have our issues with Spider-Man Three, like I, that is one of the cool parts about it is that it does bring you up to speed at the beginning, anyways. Um, and then it goes from Alex Ross's artwork into uh, Mary Jane. Unless I'm com- am I confusing the two films? It it shows up on the billboard, right? Mary Jane on the billboard? Yes. Or is billboard. That, yeah. That's this one. Yeah. And yeah, the yeah. first scene of him uh, being the pizza delivery It goes guy. from Alex Ross's great artwork because he mm-hmm. does that realistic human artwork and it goes right from her face, like his artwork of her face into the real photo yes. of her face. Yeah, his which is cool. amazing. He's such a good yeah. artist. Yeah. And then you think it's her face, but it's just a huge giant billboard and he's mm-hmm. constantly having to face pictures of uh, his, you know, his lost love MJ. Like, yeah. Yeah. All over the I know. city. The tragic nature of the character, right? He's always has yeah. to, uh, how this has to be rubbed in his face. So yeah, I love that uh, pizza scene, the opening scene yeah. where he gets fired. It sets the tone for the uh, whole movie that that's the sort of, that's how, that's this Spider-Man story, which is the one that I love the most, which is like, 
um, when nothing in life is going right for him, you know, being Spider-Man and doing the right thing is sort of, is sort of causing his uh, personal life to just be in shambles, you know, but he has to continue yeah. being Spider-Man doing the right thing. That's kind of what I love. And so it starts right off the bat where he gets like fired from his pizza job. And I guess because we're talking about pizza right away, I kind of, I, there's another reference we'll get to, which is more obvious, but I did not realize, and this threw me for a loop because I had to mention it to uh, my fiance, Sam, as well. When we were in New York City, we actually went to this pizza place and there's obviously great, great pizza all over the city and it was delicious. Like it was, we were on Bleecker Street, hashtag miracle on Bleecker Street. No, but seriously, no, like we were on Bleecker Street and you can see on his hat, um, it's 233 Bleecker Street. So I'm like, we've actually been to this pizza place. So, cool. so it blew my mind. And then obviously Bleecker Street is another reference to uh, mm. Steve Dicko's other creation, which is uh, Dr. Strange, who, um, you know, it's 177A Bleecker Street, I think, is uh, the Sanctum Sanctorum. So, I mean, it's it's pretty cool that even though it's a standalone Spider-Man trilogy, that they're kind of acknowledging like these little Easter eggs, the greater Marvel Universe, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because yeah. because those those are New York related Easter eggs. It makes sense that they would kind of nothing beats New York nod uh, towards pizza. It. Yeah. So I think the other I think to wrap to sort of summarize the first act, you get you get Spider Man getting fired. You get um, you get Harry as and it's sort of a continuation of the second movie. He's now head of Oscorp. He's you know hates Spider Man. You get some of that, and then you get the uh, Otto Octavius introduction, and, and you get mm-hmm. the whole. That I think is the really important part of the first act. You get the whole Otto Octavius uh, origin story. You get you get the sort of uh, mentee mentor setup of Otto and Peter meeting. So, what did you think of uh, of that wife power? What did you think of the introduction to Otto Octavius? The scene of him sort of when he gets his arms kind of fused. And what did you think of the the uh, character and the performance of Alfred Molina as a uh, dr octopus i mean he's amazing he's probably one of the best parts of the movie this is my life's work i certainly know the consequences of the slightest miscalculation i'm sorry i didn't mean to question you rosie our new friend thinks i'm gonna blow up the city you can sleep soundly tonight otto's done his homework come to the demonstration tomorrow and you'll see for yourself you need to sleep soundly tonight otto did Edison sleep before he turned on the light? Did Marconi sleep before he turned on the radio? Did Beethoven sleep before he wrote the fifth? Did Bernoulli sleep before he found the curves of quickest descent? Oh, Rosie, I love this boy. I also love like the scene where Peter gets to meet him for the first time. And it's like such a humble scene of them just like sitting down with his wife, Rosie, and they're having like a cup of tea and they're talking about not just like the experiments, but they're talking about love and life and um, the fulfillment that like having somebody be a part, like be a part of your life and someone to share your life with um, in that moment. Cause it kind of like Peter always has this assumption, like um, especially in this movie where it's like, he needs to be alone because he's Spider-Man and, this scene kind of like brings home that like well maybe you don't need to mm-hmm. like maybe you don't sets need to up. choose one or the other yeah it sets it up and then it i think i don't know if it's 
further into the movie where he starts losing his powers but then that starts to like trigger that where like in his mind he's like what would I rather have do I want to be Spider-Man or do I want to like have a life and like have a life with Mary Jane and have kids and like be able to go to her play and go to my classes and get good grades and it's like he toys with that like sacrifice and I think that scene not only like humanizes the villain of the movie but it also starts that like internal struggle that spider-man goes through through this whole movie of Mm -hmm. like am i spider-man or can i have all these things that like i want in life yeah i like i i I love alfred lena's dr octopus too and i like how they set him up i love this it's the thing they do with the spider movies especially um the first two where it's like and it kind of makes spider-man a bit different than the other other heroes where most of his villains he has some sort of personal relationship relationship with them right like it was with with, uh you think green goblin obviously it's like his his uh, best friend's dad then it's like dr octopus is like his mentor and they also do the interesting thing in this one um where they make it so that dr octopus he's actually like a really good guy he the reason why he's bad is because of like the arms kind of drive yeah. him to be evil so that's kind of interesting they made him even be- even more of a good guy when it comes down to it um in the yeah he essentially like creates ai with those arms mm-hmm. and uh you know at some point i think you can actually see when the arms have taken over they start to glow red yeah and they start to glow white when uh, he actually takes back control so it's kind of cool nice and that scene where um, he comes to in the hospital is an all-time yeah movie. yeah <laughs> sam Ra- uh, sam raimi horror scene where the tentacles are like killing all the nurses and doctors like that's yeah. just uh, very crazy. evil dead and then of course they have the chainsaw as well that kind of gives the homage to that and uh, yeah but yeah no was- you, yeah no sorry mina you mentioned that they were having dinner i thought that was a great scene too because it kind of informs his decision ultimately to hang up the the suit is part of that is like wanting that life with mj right so it's like mm-hmm. it it, it kind of all leads to that that moment where he decides to give it up but yeah, anyways, you were going to say. Well, I was just going to say about that scene. And we were like skipping ahead of it. But that scene in the hospital, like it really, we were like when we were watching it, like it didn't feel like Spider-Man movie anymore. Like it legit felt mm, like a, like, like something, something out of a horror movie. Mm. The the tones and the camera angles. And it was, it was really violent too. Like it wasn't, um, it was kind of like a shocking scene, but it was also really good because it just it shows you how evil like the arms are and how he like Otto Octavius has no control anymore because it's like the care the like version of him that you know up to that point of the movie like he would never do anything like that um yeah yeah, yeah and I think a- that that connection the inhibitor chip being busted like it, it kind of it's a subtle play on his mind where he still thinks that he's thinking for himself but he's clearly getting influenced from these evil yeah. arms right mm-hmm. so that's kind of cool too and they're doing things like he's clearly kept them blindfolded and they're they're like so they have a mind of their own right they're killing everyone but he can't see so that's sort of telling you yeah so then yeah the, so that's a great great setup great um action scene at the bank with dr octavius and uh aunt may and so i just want to mention you have all these other things going on in the background of the movie like mostly um second act you have like aunt may losing her house you have peter losing his powers you have um mary jane being engaged to J. Jonah jameson's son and so those are and then you have harry sort of hating 
Spider-Man and his sort of him, so Peter's relationship kind of fracturing. So like Peter Parker's life is kind of falling apart uh, throughout Shambles. the Shambles. And um, yeah, and then in the second act, um, he, you know, he, he, he quits being Spider-Man. And that, it, that, that moment when he throws his, um, his, his suit into the dumpster is straight a, off the cover straight off of a comic book uh spider-man yeah. no more the straight off uh i think it's issue 50 or something it's a it's a stanley comic and J. J. james gets the suit just like just like in the in the comic in the movie and uh, i mm-hmm. love that this comic is the sort of basis for the movie where where it's like it's the moral of the movie is is like taken straight from this comic which is like you know spider-man as we talked about before he always has to do the right thing because of the great power great responsibility the one time he didn't you know use his power for good you know the worst thing happened he learned the hard way but what this movie is uh showing you with his life all falling apart is like doing the right thing and being here all the time is like oftentimes it's like the hardest thing oftentimes you get almost no impossible credit, right? you get no credit for doing it right it's so much easier to not be the good person and what spider-man teaches you or what it's trying to teach kids or what the moral term is is like you know you have to do the good thing always no matter what even though it's not easy even though it's the hardest thing even though everything in your life might be bad like there's something worth doing the right thing being a good person helping people out putting people ahead of yourself right and the whole movie everything is just testing him of test constantly testing him daily bugle everyone hates him the whole life's falling apart he can't be with the girl she's marrying someone else he misses her play right his best friend hates him it's just, he, gets it's just fired, he gets fired from like both jobs. Yeah, he gets like fired he? from his jobs, and then, then, then he has that moment in the middle of the scene where he kind of quits being Spider-Man. And his life kind of gets better, but then again, he learns that lesson again of like, you know, there's consequences when I stop being Spider-Man. So I love that. That's the mm-hmm. sort of more of the story, and I love that it has that sort of message of like trying to teach people that like, you know, doing the right thing is not is oftentimes the hardest thing to do, but it, it's still the right thing to do, kind of. And that's sort of the overall message. So I love that they took that from the from that comic book yeah and of course he's he's losing his powers too because it's kind of like a mental thing it seems mm-hmm. like it's um which is interesting because obviously in the comics he has uh web shooters but even in the animated series i believe they did that uh yep. losing powers arc right so it's kind of mm-hmm. like an homage to that as well so even though they don't have the web shooters they don't have the ability to do a storyline where those you know he runs out of webbing or he though they malfunction they were still able to to explore those situations by having him lose his abilities right so it's it's pretty cool um so where are we at we're in the second act yeah any other like standout scenes from the second act there's the whole um there's the whole you know octavius and 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 uh harry kind of kind of teaming together um and then there's um yeah, I guess that's kind of that's kind of I kind of like oh, and there's the subway train scene. Those are like is the, that those are that's like is that considered like end of second act or is that yeah like I would consider that like the end, the, end of, the end of the second yeah. The one yeah. part in the second act that I just want to like make reference to because we were kind of laughing about it is the scene where like he decides he wants to be like before that scene uh, with Doctor Octopus on the train. It's like he decided he he wants to be Spider Man again. And it's like he's testing his powers. And I was telling Mike, he picked like the most dangerous thing to possibly do out mm-hmm. of like any of his Spider-Man abilities mm-hmm. to like test them. And it's like 
jumping off of like a 10 story building. And it's like, we were, when you like watch it, it afterwards, we're like, how did they film that? Like it legit looks like they threw Tobey Maguire off a building and he fell. Mm. Um, Cause he like, he nails the car. <laughs> gets up and the way like his body is and the way that he gets up like it actually looks like they threw him on the car and that was like a natural reaction of like someone getting up off the but car he, like, being, bounces like, off the two cars kind of that, yeah. that hurt like but it was i just, think he like, hits his head a number of times in this film and it's just like you're every time you're like i know he's spider-man but that's gotta hurt you know yeah yeah he's not yeah. indestructible like he's still Oh, I guess the one other sort of before we get to the train scene, the one other heartbreaking moment is when he tells Aunt May the truth. I think mm. that's good in the second act. And he tells her he confesses. And again, this is Spider-Man doing, mm. you know, the harder thing and not taking the easy way out, telling her because it's kind of eating up inside that he is responsible for Uncle Ben's death. And that is a mm. oh, that's a that's a heart wrenching scene. Well, she's because- she's great throughout the whole trilogy. Yes. Like she really uh I can't recall Amazing. her her name at this point, the actress, but uh, she she really delivers as Aunt May. Rose um, Rosemary Harris. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, she she's pretty good. I love that scene, like where he tells her because it's like he, even though he knows it's going to fracture his relationship with her, he does it for her because she tells him that she feels guilty about Uncle Ben's death right. and how it was her fault and she should have never let him like drive him to the library that night. And it's like, yeah, a lesser person would just keep it, take it to the mm-hmm. grave, right? It's just- exactly. Yeah. Cause it's like Uncle Ben is gone. It's like, I have my relationship with Aunt May. And it's like, if I tell her this, like, it's going to ruin our relationship but it's like he felt so strongly about removing that guilt from her and like that he he was willing to potentially sacrifice their relationship so that she would know that like it wasn't her fault Mm. Uh, yeah yeah so now let's move on to the i think like one of the best action scenes in any of the spider-man movies the train sequence whatever so harry and dr octopus kind of team up because doc ock needs the tritium for his he wants to redo his experiment in the first act and yeah so harry tells him you know get me spider-man and and, uh and the way he does it is by you know putting people in danger knowing that spider-man's gonna come and uh and i love that um or i guess he he ambushes peter at the this is when he's with mj at the diner yeah that's another that's another like that's the start of the train scene, I guess. That's another uh, heartbreaking scene when, like, you know, he quits being Spider-Man and he tells her, you know, I think we can be together. And then she gets all excited and then he, <laughs> he decides know. he it's wants to be so Spider-Man tragic. again. It's like, oh, yeah. it's so tragic. And it's he like just the girl's always getting to, snatched right yeah. from his hand. And right? he has to say, like, I don't love you, which is clearly yes. not true. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like, and then, you know, that it's great when the, he's sort of out of the corner of his eye, the spidey sense goes off and the, the car just, like, comes barreling through the, the glass yeah. right so that was a that was an incredible way to start off i guess like yeah i guess the end of the second act like major set piece and um and yeah for sure and then and now he's back to being full-blown spider-man and he's uh 
he's doing whatever he can to save everybody on the train. And I couldn't help but think because you were saying, okay, Spider-Man 2 and The Dark Matter up there as your favorite comic book movies. Well, Batman Begins, I mean, I think both of those, um, the third act of Batman Begins and this scene, I think we were both filmed in Chicago. Like they're trying to give a New York vibe, but they're doing like the, the subway in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the third act of Batman Begins is the same kind of thing with a speeding train. Mm-hmm. And so right. I, I kind of, I got, and that, so right. Spider-Man 2 is 2004 and Batman Begins is 2005. So, I mean, they clearly took some mm-hmm. notes from, from this scene, right? How, how epic this scene was to be able to, to do something similar in Batman Begins. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I think that's known as maybe like, like the best set piece in all Spider-Man movies. Just the, the fight, the way it looks is so, it looks so good for being that old of a movie. All the effects is yeah. really great. Like the Dr. Octopus arms, we haven't really talked about it, but special yeah. effects look really practical and really, really good. Um, the physics but I of think it, you, like work. You mentioned uh, recently, maybe in the last episode, how like they couldn't really do movies like this before the year 2000 mm-hmm. like before maybe matrix in 99 like they could they couldn't they, the effects weren't up to par in the right. 90s to be able to pull off dr octopus Spider-Man the way the movie. arms look like they're alive and they're mm-hmm. you know um like sentient almost so, so yeah. that was pretty cool yeah, yeah we, i was actually we were listening to an interview of tom holland um for like the new spider-man movie and he was talking about the difference between um I mean, if you haven't seen the trailer for the new Spider-Man movie, maybe don't listen. But um, <laughs> oh, Ian hasn't seen it. But he's seen the spoiler uh, trailer, so he, he knows he's in it. But anyways. Anyway, so like when um, in Spider-Man 2 for Dr. Octopus with the arms, it's like Alfred Merlina was on a... What what did they call it? He was I on think like a in Spider Man Two. The arms were uh, puppets. Yeah, and, and someone with four, a stick. And, yeah, four, four people, people moving yeah. around with him, controlling yeah. these mechanical arms, and then he, the actor himself was also on a platform, and that's how they like moved him around the mm-hmm. set to like show him moving. And like, I don't know. I guess like watching that movie, I never pieced together that that's how they would do it. And like yeah. now knowing how they did did that and looking back on like those scenes in the movie like that is some crazy movie magic like Mm -hmm. that is it's so impressive because you have five people moving in sync plus a platform and like it just when you're watching it like it's absolutely seamless yeah and now obviously the new ones could be all cg it's all cgi puppet arms anymore yeah Mm-hmm. yeah so yeah that tracing and the way that it's it looks so good it looks so like real real like he's actually like stopping a train the train is squishy like this train is like collapsing and there's so many people and that's a great hero moment and then you have the sort of new yorker moment that we say is always in every Spider-Man movie where they kind of carry him and stop him from yeah. falling and then, and then yeah and then so and i think thinking back like you know how a secret identity and obviously he's exposed to the people mm-hmm. and it's kind of just before smartphones were like huge right. like obviously it's a little bit before that so if it was something where it was like smartphones and then people would be like okay well someone's taking a video of this that's true um, i couldn't do but that it, but, scene the yeah, but at the same, yeah and at the same time i think like because it's its own thing and it's not like this mcu where everything's got to connect like mm-hmm. it's more it's like you can kind of give it a pass for just being like a little a little over the top in that sense yeah especially like i like the twist too because you think he saves the day but then 
Doc Ock. Like, I didn't really understand where Doc Ock went during that part, but like at the yeah. same time, he comes back for him, and then that's a bit of a twist because like you'd think that he mm-hmm. like won the battle, but no, he's back and he he basically and like you got to get through us. You're like, oh, they're gonna save him. And he just like moves them aside and takes Spider Man. It's like okay, that that's yeah. what would really happen. So <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, yeah and then then the third act kind of like this, I guess it's kind of the third act, and it's like kicks off yeah. and it's like um um but i like the stuff between peter and uh harry so like even though uh, again you can have that question of why didn't doc ock i i thought about this too why didn't doc ock like care to know who he was but at the same time doc ock it's not even like goblin where goblin wanted to like wanted spider-man to join him doc ock has one mission he just wants to get his his spirit experiment going he doesn't really care to stop and smell the roses and try to yeah. figure out who Spider-Man is. Like he's he's not even trying to kill Spider-Man. Really, he's just no. trying to do his own thing. Spider-Man just keeps like, getting in his way, right, like at the bank and stuff yeah. like that. But he doesn't really, yeah, yeah. And then so yeah, then you have Harry, you know, unmasking uh, Spider-Man and realizing that it's Peter. Uh, that's yeah. that's crazy. And that carries over to the next movie, and that's sort of building from the first movie and kind of the carryover. So. And then they have the final, the final scene where Doc Ock has Mary Jane and he's doing his experiment. And we know the experiment from the first time around, it's like not stable. And it's going to basically, uh, if it goes off, you know, kill all New York or whatever, and maybe even more. And that, uh, the effects of the experiment, we didn't talk about it in the first act, but that's, I think that was really cool. And a really cool idea of like, he's trying to do good. He's trying to create clean energy, you know, self-perpetuating energy. And uh, what did you guys think? So what do you guys think of the, final showdown between Doc Ock and Spider-Man and the way it kind of ended and the way Mary Jane kind of was there. It was great. I think it was very poetic. I thought like, you know, it it made sense that once he kind of saw the error of his ways that he would be able to take back control Mm -hmm. um, of the arms and make them work for him kind of thing. But the whole, uh, the nature of that battle and I, you know, we kind of breezed past this, but when he goes to get his costume back, I really thought that that was another fun moment with JJJ <laughs> where he was like about to like redeem his ideology of Spider-Man. And he was like right there. And he was like, yes, maybe Spider-Man was a good guy all along. It's like, he's like, no, he's a thief. He's a criminal. Like- <laughs> yeah. yeah. JK Simmons crushes it in all the scenes again. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So Wifar, what did you think about the redemption of uh, Dr. Octopus at the end? I think it was great. Like he, again, you guys touched on, like he sees the error of his ways and like, um, I will not part, die a monster. He says, I think, right. I will not. Yeah. It's yeah. like he, he can tell that like, cause he's like kind of down and out laying in the water and then he can kind of like Spider-Man, they taught him and Spider-Man like discuss how they're going to stop it. And it's like, they come up with this like thing, like we've got to drink, like, drown it in the river and it's like he steps up and he says like no spider-man like this is my like problem to fix and like he steps up and he like sacrifices himself to like save everyone so it's kind of like yeah he was a villain but he technically died a hero yeah i do like that i like that they redeemed him because they showed at the beginning he wasn't just a straight up evil villain he was actually a good guy at the core who kind of got whatever the the ai is affecting his brain or whatever but yeah it's really good that they and he was such a formidable foe too but it's really good that they redeemed him at the very end i think and and it's it is poetic as he said it's like only spider-man got to see that i guess the other thing the other big thing that happens in the last act is that mary jane obviously gets to see who 
uh, yeah. as a mask. So that was a big one. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's like all gets thrown on the table in this one, and it basically establishes him as the hero that we know and love yeah. from the comics. Like, yeah, he was established in the first one, but this one kind of hammers it home. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like when I don't know uh, from before, like because we're rewatching, did you guys ever notice any like additional Easter eggs as you were going through this time? Uh, because like I was watching, okay. I was like, okay, he crashes through. The window and the number on it was 56 so i'm like oh that i wonder if that's significant so i looked up amazing spider-man 56 it's hilarious it's spidey joins doc ock oh and I, perfect and i re- i remember they did this in the animated series mm-hmm. where he kind of like confuses like spider spider-man gets like amnesia temporarily and he actually joins like doc ock convinces him to be his like henchman and oh, I think yeah. they did it in the cartoon where he's like actually helping him for a while because he doesn't know what's going on. He like right. loses his memory. And it's funny too, because uh, Harry obviously loses his memory in the next one. But but no, like the, just the fact that they're working together in this one to save, to stop the explosion or whatever you want to call it, the fusion yeah. reaction. But but like they're working together in that issue. So they pulled 56. And like I don't know if that's why they chose they, it. Must be. It, it must, it, be, it must be, right? Yeah. Like the reason why they have the number 56 on the window when he crashes through. But yeah, I, I felt like it was, there was a parallel to that. Like, yeah, in the comic, he's working together with him because Doc Ock's just pure evil. But in the movie, they're working together because they, they kind of, you know, he showed him the air of his ways. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, uh, yeah. So, you know, Mary Jane sees Peter or that's a good call. That's a good call. I didn't realize that, but yeah. So, so moving on Mary to the very ending. So Mary Jane, Sees on a mask. They kind of, I think they have a little conversation of like, now you see why we can't be together. And then, you know, John Jameson comes and sort of whisks her away. And it's kind of like, you know, the first time you're watching, you're kind of like, oh, is that the end? You know, but you have, but you have this, um, you know, what final scenes. Maybe they should have left it like on Mm -hmm. more of a, like, oh, I can't be with her again. No, that was the end of the first one. It would have made more sense though, like in a trilogy sense. Like, let's say Spider Man 3 delivered. Right. right. Maybe it would have made more sense that he doesn't get her until the very end. Good. Yeah, I can see that. Um, but see uh, that. but but anyways, uh, the the fact that when he first does the experiment, uh, he loses his wife. Right. That's a big part Doc of it, Ock. too, because um, because that basically makes him more susceptible, I think, to giving in to like yes. the whims of the arms and stuff yeah. like that. Right. So mm-hmm. like the fact that he's motivated by trying to he thinks if he does this, he can somehow bring her back. Yep. Right. If he can, if he can achieve what he was set out to do, he can achieve anything. Kind of. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So then you have the final kind of two scenes of the movie after, you know, Doc Ock sacrifices himself. Mary Jane sees Peter. She leaves with John. And you have a uh, Harry, you know, hearing hearing the Green Goblin's voice and uh, smashing the mirror and finding all the Goblin equipment. The, so that's the coolest cool sort of, yeah. Especially because you know, like, okay, there's one now. There's two. Like, you know, there's gonna be a third one. Like, this is definitely setting up for some cool yeah. stuff. And like, that was a promising yeah, setup. Think, it didn't deliver, but it was a. I, you know what? Setup. It it didn't, and we'll get into it for sure. But I, I think like it did. It did set up this idea of like Goblin legacy, and uh, I wouldn't even say that uh, Harry is like the weakest part of Spider-Man three. Like the, I, I actually yeah, liked that they continue that storyline. Like there, there are things about Spider-Man three that I like. It's just overall, yeah. they didn't really get a lot of things right. But like there, there are things and as we get to it, that 
there's a through line to the trilogy that still makes sense to me yeah it's kind of like the the trilogy is kind of like almost like a tv show in some sense where it's like each movie or, or like each episode of a show would have like its own plot but then there are some threads that go through the entire season right so the harry mm-hmm. and peter and the harry and mj those three characters like their thread their threads kind of carry through all three movies so this is kind of a continuation of the harry story lead to the next movie so that's a that was a really cool scene when i saw it the first time that was yeah awesome and i don't i just to say this now but i don't i don't think that the new goblin like harry as green goblin would have felt as rushed if there was not so much going on in number three yeah. like i think it makes sense that he went that way mm-hmm. it's just the fact that it's on top of like yeah. it's layers on top of everything else yeah. so uh wife power what do you think of the very final scene the sort of runaway bride scene i don't like the whole her like literally about to walk down the aisle in her wedding dress and then she decides it's, that like she wants it's just like a little it's a bit little too cringe far. yeah like, i like it like I, I don't know i like it i just i think like as like I don't know. I just find it like so unrealistic. Like if you're going to get to the point where you're like putting on the dress, like literally about to grab your bouquet and like walk down the aisle. It's like, I don't know that that's when she's going to have her epiphany. It's rich. But, <laughs> but I do love the scene where she's um, at the door. Mm-hmm. Um, like when she goes to his apartment to see him and like, does the whole, like, I'm just a girl standing in front of a, a boy like asking him to love her like that scene I love that whole scene and like how she's kind of saying like you don't get to make that decision for me kind of thing mm-hmm. um and I think like the end of like where he hears the sirens and then he's kind of like I know we're in the middle of something but like I gotta go and she does the whole like go get him tiger like I think that was like a really good way to end the movie. It does yeah. that, but you know what he does at the very end. It's not just like I think at the very end of the first one was kind of like a happy ending, like you said. This one, I was saying there's a dark tone because there is one frame at the very end where he pans back to MJ and she's kind of like, hmm, like, what have I gotten myself into? Like she's kind of mm-hmm. like really contemplating like this whole because it's complex, right? Like we talk about uh, Peter Parker and how it's a tragedy his life like making these choices and like really on her end too it is a tragedy like it's like she is bound to this man who's like living two lives she she can't get all of him she can Mm -hmm. only get half of him you know what i mean so it's like so yeah there's that and then i you know what like we we i think we mentioned last episode how we weren't she we weren't too thrilled with kirsten dunn's performance and clearly this is a step up in spider-man 2 like it's probably the best that we get from her out of all three but i still mm-hmm. don't think the way she's portrayed throughout all of them and even in this one she's a very likable character if that makes sense so she's like and that's not really her fault like peter does some things to her that are like you know that are egregious especially in the third one which we'll oh, get to but yeah. like but like like clearly it's not just her but i mean just her delivery it just the way that her character is written in these movies, it's it's she's not like the most likable character. So so when she has that moment where she leaves John Jameson in the altar, like you get it because like you want them to be together, but it's still kind of like whoa, what the hell? Like you know what I mean? Like I always think real- uh, in these movies, especially like sometimes you put realism to the side to get what is yeah. like the most the most cinematic moment. I would agree having with that. so having her like 
it's boring if she, it's more boring if she just shows up at his apartment in normal clothes you know it's a really cinematic moment when she can be there yeah. in her bright white wedding dress you can cut to jk simmons have his like little one-liner like call the caterer like that's funny right and you can have her in the wedding dress you can have that like just more that much more grander that much more cinematic and i think that's the reason like sometimes you make that choice yeah and i think i think sam Raimi does that a lot i think that's it makes it a good choice but i think it's a shame about the third movie because it kind of ruined it but i think if like this this movie series of toy where it ended here i think it'd be a great ending i can imagine them sort of living happily ever after you know and she's sort of like yeah, I, with the I, exception I make, of that final frame though well, i didn't read it like that kinda, at all i've read it like she, she's yeah she's i didn't accepted. see that she's moment happy. either that's how i read it but the the go get him tiger is definitely like, yeah and for some reason they go back into the apartment and show and she's just kind of like hmm, like you know what i mean i think it's kind of foreshadowing what we're going to get in the third one where there's gonna be that yeah. relationship so i'm just saying i never read it that way i was just read it of like you could end the movie there and you could see them living happily <laughs> after because i know from the comics like she become like they get married and she becomes a super supportive wife it's kind of like they make mm-hmm. it work right their love will is so strong that it will make this really really hard relationship work because she knows and she, like she's a good person too and she wants him to use his power for good and like do the thing and she, like mina said like he can't make the decision for her you know she she wants to be with him because she loves him and she knows what that in, entails and you know they'll handle it so that's what i kind of that could i could have seen this movie end not have a third one and then seeing them sort of have a happy ever after and you know, it's just a shame we got the third movie. Well, presumably, <laughs> presumably they would have a happily ever after, even after. Well, that's the, the ending of the third was. You never. That's really open ended, right? Like. Yeah, I guess so. I guess I guess they were still. They were really they, bad. They would spot. go on. Yeah, I think they were. Yeah, true. But I think they were still thinking they would go on and do more after that. Yeah. Yeah. All and right. So that's... I don't think they thought it was going to end there. No. No. So that's Spider Man. Speaking two. of ending there. <laughs> Yeah, I guess uh, I guess we'll end there. We did a really pretty good recap. I think we got through that, and I think it came through how much we all like that movie. And um, for all of us, I think it's our favorite of the trilogy. And for me, it's my favorite Spider-Man movie. Period. Uh, okay, yeah. so following up that amazing, incredible movie with uh, Spider-Man Three. Let's get into yeah. Spider-Man Three. Uh, so we said at the start we weren't gonna like go the whole three act structure. So maybe let's just go over. You know, obviously. I'll just start and obviously say I think this movie is a complete dumpster fire of a movie. I <laughs> I mostly blame the uh, behind the scenes stuff. You know, that's what I mostly blame. And I read a little yeah. bit of, and like you can find lots of interviews of Sam Raimi just like admitting that like this is not this was not a good movie. Like he has so many regrets on this movie. Uh, I think chiefly is the fact that uh, I was reading like some of the behind the scenes stuff. Like he had a movie written he wanted to do sandman and the studio crammed and made him he obviously wanted to pay off like this, the harry goblin stuff he wanted to do sandman you know, he's an old school he's an old school spider-man fan San, sandman yeah. green goblin dr Oct- octopus these are stanley uh you know first whatever 20 issue uh villains yeah and the studio wanted to push venom and the basically. studio pushed venom they said you yeah. know they i think they he said they said to him you know you've got to do the movies you want to make so far with the villains you wanted you got to give something to the fans. Venom is the hotness right now. You got to send back to the studio. So they made him like and, rewrite. And the you whole can script. kind of see like studio, like you can see a studio doing that. You can yeah. see why they would be motivated by that, right? Like, yeah. 
Like it's not like it is like I think there's more of a climate today where yes, studios have an agenda, but they they recognize that like creatives like they want to give creatives some control of over like delivering a good product like good product right whereas here i'm gonna dial it back a little bit well first i'll mention that my experience with this movie is hilarious because again again i'm going midnight screening but this time for whatever reason and this was probably a sony mandate but i don't know if it was like they didn't want the venom footage to leak out or what they made in an era where we're not using smartphones they couldn't take our phones, but they made everyone empty the battery out on their way into the theater when I saw this movie. What? So Spider-Man 3, 2007, <laughs> midnight screening. So it's the night before it comes out. Everyone had to literally take out their phone. So if I had known this, you could add two phones and then film the whole thing. But like, take your phone out of your pocket, take the battery out, put it on a table, and they put a post-it on it with your name. How ridiculous is that? That's crazy. They had a whole table like of these phone batteries. What's what Topher Grace was? I don't think they showed him. I don't Venom, think they showed they, the like slim down the, Venom or whatever that it was. Yeah, I think the they trailer, knew that that was going to be a bit jarring. They definitely called Topher Grace Eddie Brock, which like, I mean, anyone that's looking forward to the Venom character. <laughs> Yeah, they were probably trying to avoid people leaking footage of the actual like Venom yeah, yeah. like mm. suit or whatever. Like, yeah, because it's, it's it's clearly different from what you know Todd McFarlane came up with. So, yeah, but like just having that experience of being like, okay, like it was like the hype going into Spider Man Three. You have to realize is probably almost like you know not like what we were going into Endgame, but like close to that. Like it was yeah. the most we've ever had like hype going into a movie because we love Spider-Man 2 and we wanted to see what was going to happen next. So then to have like this other layer of like, okay, yeah, no, but don't like, you got to take your battery out and leave it on the table. I was like, I was losing my mind. I was like, Crazy. and then after seeing that movie, I was literally walking out, like, give me my battery. Like yeah. there was no need to take this from me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just like, basically. <laughs> uh, but I do want to dial it a little back before we get into the weeds on this one, because I want to say I watched this movie and I'm glad I watched it back. I kind of watched them back to back two and three. Mm-hmm. And I, you know what? It's not a movie that I hate from start to finish. I just don't like the choices they make. Like 40 minutes in, or maybe 37 minutes in, I'm digging everything that's going on. Like I'm digging the storyline with Sandman. I even like the stuff with Harry Osborne. Like so it's really only when Eddie Brock walks into the scene and it's Topher Grace and he's just like a babbling idiot that it, it starts to take a dive. But everything else with that movie, like there's some good stuff. And I think it, it does carry forward from what the first two films brought to the table. And it is Sam Raimi trying to finish off a trilogy. And then you got the studio, unfortunately, coming in and throwing in Venom and what's felt like like when when it becomes Venom, it's basically the last 30 minutes of the film. Right. So it's like it like there's a lot of BS with the whole toe for grace of it all. But I think like there was some good things going into this. And like I was definitely I wasn't like hating on the film until sort of that Venom start, stuff started to play out. So that's that's what I wanted to preface because I, I think we're going to be doing a lot of Spider-Man yeah. bashing, and I, I I do think there's some goodness in in there somewhere. All right, and what um, about you? Especially Power? at the beginning, is there anything redeeming about this movie in your eyes? And- I'll kind of agree with Ian there. Like I think I think the problem with this movie is like the overall story might not be horrible and maybe like this is the overall story that like sam raimi 
wanted to tell and it's like they wanted him to throw venom in there so it's like okay how can we add venom to the story but I think like the choices that they made to enact like the the story so it's like I kind of agree with Ian like I think all the stuff at the beginning like that story like you're kind of into it and stuff but like for me it's like that new age goblin costume I don't know if that's from a comic book I'm not as into the comic Mm. books as you guys but the whole snowboarder look I think was just like atrocious like to me it looked absolutely stupid um so like that part to me like he didn't look like green goblin like they they made him look like some cool like they tried to make him look like some cool like like this I is think what the kids like, are gonna like in the next yeah goblin. the kids yeah. are gonna love this and like blah, blah. to it's be like, fair though we we did harp on the willem defoe version like like clearly like costume. we love him as a villain but the actual costume itself was like eh, but it was like i could do it, without but that's that. what that's what goblin looked like at least it was like, like proper glider yeah i i don't know the whole snowboard thing like really just like irked me like i i just think he looked yeah, really really dumb and like the the part Mike and I touched on it like when we were watching the movie is like when Harry gets his amnesia, which oh, like yes. is really oh. stupid that the doctor refers to it as a short term memory because like he goes back to like high school memory, <laughs> like he wipes out like years of his life, and the doctor's like his short term memory has been affected. It's like okay, if it was a short term, like he would just remember what happened like the day before or whatever, not like. You wouldn't be taking him back years. But there's been some memory impairment, particularly short-term memory. Hey, buddy. Hey. Hit my head. Yeah. Doctor said I was in an accident. Hit and run. I don't remember much of anything. It's like no one did any research as to like how someone with amnesia would actually act they like ref- they like brought him back to like the like childlike wonder and it just like it really like was a miss in the movie like mm-hmm. his whole yep. character arc for me just like he's been so good as harry osborne like up until this point and then the whole like yeah the whole like child the whole like snowboarder green goblin thing and then the like childlike wonder of like his amnesia like just ruined that character like i think that no, they I'll just agree. like took a hot dump on before oh, before we before we start <laughs> dumping on the movie a bit too hard i will say the one redeeming thing for me the only i think redeeming thing in the whole movie so i think everything with sandman is really good and i can, yeah. t- I can think you can tell there's like there's actually a good sandman movie if you stripped out all the other crap that could be told and the effects yeah the effects are amazing the sandman fights <laughs> this the like for, the, for that year um, you know his arc, his story, the fights he has with Spider-Man, like that is all mm-hmm. amazing. That's great, and that was really, really good. Um, and then you know the rest of the movie, I hate it all. I hate, I hate what he said. Like it starts off right away with like the Harry's new Goblin, and I was thinking about like why that's so hated. And I was doing a little reading, and a lot of people had the complaint. And when I was watching the movie, I saw it of like they've done a really, really good job with like the physics of Spider-Man, where it's like obviously it's not realistic. But it looks real. It's not like the uncanny valley, right? It looks real. Like it looks like if there was a guy with spider powers, that's how he would fight and move. And that fight mm. he has with the goblin, with the hairy goblin, is just atrocious compared to the rest of the fight scenes. It's like really, the physics I watched don't it make back. sense. 
it, it, I watched it, the, it back. I kind of I was entertained by that. that oh, because everyone, it's like it's like the common thing. It's like the physics don't make sense, and like the places of where they are, like the whole scene is not filmed up to par with all the rest of the action scenes in the trilogy, right? And then you have mm-hmm. him him getting his amnesia, and he acts like the acting by. <laughs> James yeah, yeah. Like, it's just terrible. It the ru- performance like you said, you know, it ruins the character for me. It does does not does not do justice to the other two movies where he did a great job. Mm-hmm. The performance he might script, he might but... be phoning it in or whatever the script is is offering. Like he's not he's not delivering the best performance. I still think that the storyline, like the act, the beats of the of the story with Harry work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like. Yeah. The, the delivery and the performance is kind of just, it's jumbled up with everything else that's going on in the movie that sucks. So it's like... The other thing I really I, hate I, I, if it was If it was just him and Sandman, I don't think we'd be harping on it as much. So yeah. Like, we, we, we know that we're kind of like, that the quality is dipping and we're like now able to, we have time to like kind of pick apart everything that Harry's, uh, James Franco's doing. But I still think that like, it had it not been mixed up with all the extra garbage just happening... It it makes sense what they're trying to to do. With I this don't know. Game. It's it's lazy, right? It's like he knows who Spider-Man yeah. is, but like we don't. We want him. Oh, I don't know how to get out of this writing corner where Harry knows who Spider-Man is. Just give him amnesia so he doesn't remember for most of the movie, so we can do the rest of the movie. Like it's super lazy. And well, trite, I, I don't I know what the original vi- uh, vision was for the Sandman film, but let's say that yeah, that he wanted to do Sandman and he was going to pay off this Goblin story at the same time. So let's say you didn't have anything to do with Venom in this movie. I honestly think that like there is a, a third act kind of scenario where it makes sense that he's coming out of the amnesia and he maybe wants to join up with Sam, but then he's the deciding factor that kind of helps Spider-Man uh, overcome Sandman. Cause realistically Sandman's the most fantastical, the most supernatural that he's had to deal with out of all of these, right? Like, it would be extremely hard to go up against Sandman. Yeah, he's powerful. About it. He came yeah, across like, powerful. yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, but- and I loved all that with Sandman. Like that, that um, the score when he's when we're first being introduced to Sandman as a villain, like when he's it's it's called the Birth of Sandman is the name of the the track. But I always thought it was like the Ballad of Sandman. But it was really good. that was a beautiful sequence where you know it's it's Flint Marco and he's he just got like deep particleized or whatever they want to call it and and now he's kind of picking up the pieces and learning how to form himself as sin and i thought that was a really cool no uh, everything sequence, was so. Sandman, man amazing yeah no 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 complaints um the other thing that well since we're just going through all i have to say the other thing i hate about this movie the whole everything with mary jane and peter in this movie yeah it's like it's like they set them up to be happy in the second one so it's like oh we have to have drama it's like i would have much rather like them sort of working through the relationship and trying to balance the relationship with him being spider-man they just took it so far with him like being so like emo and like evil like i know the suit turned him evil like that's so that must have come after right and like basically like being abusive and hitting her and like i just like nah. they went way too far with the whole they also Breaking made him a dick. But I, I noticed yeah. that they made him a dick before the before the symbiote even became attached to him. Yeah, so he was but, already yeah, kind of like that's not within the character. Or, like him like yeah. kissing Gwen Stacy on the stage. It's like that's not the character you'd set up for two movies. He wouldn't do that. Like that's yeah. you're betraying like Yeah, and then like Mary Jane has every right to call him out on that, but yeah. I thought it was hilarious. We got this great we actually got a good delivery from Aunt May kind of like, oh, you should like, here's the ring and like, you should, you should propose. 
he didn't take any of her advice. Like I know. <laughs> she will make it really special and do something really awesome. He goes and like tries to, and they play it for jokes with like Bruce Campbell and stuff. It's like, it, like he's like just going to put it in the champagne and like he's bumbling around. Like she said, no, like take this ring and do something special with it. And like, like really kind of, uh, and then like, obviously, uh, I don't know. I don't know where the script went. It started yeah. to take a turn. What do you think of the there, Mary sure. Jane stuff and this Mary Jane Peter stuff? Wife power. I, I just think like yeah. he you, like you're right. They just they got lazy. Like it's like rather than like actually look at like what type of conflict their relationship would actually have, it's like they just turned him into an asshole. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that like my I think my biggest problem with this movie is it doesn't attach. I know it's like the same characters and like it is a continuation of like the plot but at the same time it feels like a completely different movie like it does not feel or like they feel like different characters they don't feel yeah. like the same characters yeah they don't feel Great. like the same characters like in the first movie and the second movie you have this like character development you see their stories and you're seeing how they're growing as characters and then it's like in this yeah. third movie <laughs> yeah they just happened between like, movies or something like what's going on they're not the same people. it's like yeah. everyone was like hey we got our paychecks like mm-hmm. yeah let's just milk it now but it was just like it was weird because it's like peter is like pining over mj for years and years because it's like it started in high it started like before high school like he said he's always been in love with her and then it's like he finally gets her and then you're gonna tell me that like the moment he gets her he's gonna treat her like absolute garbage like to me yeah the character just doesn't set up that way. So like, it's like they had these first two movies, they developed these characters and then they threw everything that they've developed on these characters and their relationships and how they interact with each other. And they just threw it out the window. Like they just felt yeah. like, yeah. it felt like they recast the whole movie. Like it yeah, just even, it felt like. Even like Harry, they don't even make Harry going after Peter. Like he doesn't even contemplate it. Like it's a hard choice. Like that's my best friend. He's just like, you knew this was coming, Pete. Like I'm going to kill you now. It's like, yeah. Yeah. What the hell? Like, yeah, he's got the, the goblin serum in him though, right? So he's basically I guess so, a certified psycho. At this it point, doesn't so. sit. sit <laughs> no, but he was already psycho before he had the serum. Like he yeah. was already like, because they show him going into the chamber and then, but he was already like, Teeter in that lot, like his are before he even went into the chamber, he was saying things like, I'm going to kill Spider Man. It's like, does, mm. does that not your best friend? Like, are you yeah. not? Because they haven't, even, up until this point, they haven't even had an opportunity to like discuss what happened. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. it's just, it's all, it's all presumption of like Harry thinks that Peter actually killed his dad. Mm-hmm. And like, we know as viewers, that's not what happened. And it's like, the relation like Harry refers to Peter in the first two movies as like his brother and it's like his mm-hmm. only family that he has left and you're telling me like yeah, on a he's dime gonna he's gonna, with f- a bit. He's gonna flip a switch movie. and want to kill him like yeah, yeah and then at, like, the, at the end he calls him his best friend you're just like really that scene of like the old guy like he was killed by his own glider like that's so cringe that scene like it's just yeah because that proved bernard or whatever like what are you doing man you're saying you (laughs) sat on all this information and you waited until after he was like completely irrevocably like screwed up by it like to do anything to help him like it was (laughs) 
But yeah, what does so that how prove? does he even yeah, know? know? Yeah, it could have. Yeah, how Simon does he know? Like glider, he wasn't like, there. Uh, <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. But like, I think the yeah. I, I mean, I understood what he was saying, but it just didn't make sense that he held that information, anyways. But like, and then um, I want to say the other big gripe is like the black suit. I love the black suit. I love that from the from the. Oh, it's um, great. I love the look of it, but I love the storyline from the comics and like the black suit. It gives him. In the com- in the cartoons, at least, like the black suit when he puts it on, it gives him extra power, but makes him more like a violent, right? And so yeah. it's so like in the cartoon, actually, when he come- uses the black suit, he comes up against the rhino, and that makes a lot more sense because like he can't really out muscle the rhino with his regular suit, but the black suit he can out muscle the rhino. And he's like stronger than the rhino. He can, like beat the crap out of the rhino and almost kill him. Yeah, then he realizes. Kills him, yeah. then, he- then he realizes like, oh, this black suit's making me do things. But with like Sandman, it's like didn't really do any of that it didn't really make it seem like it was making him that much more powerful it just made him like emo and like dance and like all well, the dancing stuff peter parker like, that oh, stuff we all terrible. know is egregious and i love that they made fun of it in uh, into the spider-verse because like yeah. what else are you gonna do with that but i do think the the black suit like especially if they think they're going on and making like a fourth film mm-hmm. i actually don't mind that they involve the black suit but it's just the way they went about doing yeah. it because it the whole movie reeks of studio involvement, right? So you got 40 years of Spider-Man stories. And once the first two films are successful, it's like, what can we, the, yeah, throw the kitchen sink at this thing. It was like, no, but like, but, but actually having the black suit and then doing that um, storyline where, yeah, it, it, it's something that it can bring up his power level a bit to fight Sandman. I actually like the idea. And then the fact that he's, He's basically willing to kill Samuel while he's wearing that suit. I think that's all good stuff because it's hammering this this idea of great power, great responsibility. He gets greater power. He needs to learn how to actually get greater responsibility. So it's a, it makes sense. It's just like when you start throwing in Venom and all this other stuff, it's like, why didn't you just do the black suit, literally have him use it and then learn how to get rid of it and have to beat him without it for the third act? Mm. And then you can tease the bell tower and the venom stuff yeah. at the very yeah. end so that you set up a venom for the for the future films like you don't have to throw venom in there just because he had the black suit like you can if you're planning on doing another film if you want these films to be successful you're going to keep going on making them you can kind of play the long game with that one but i i did like the black suit of it all the way it looked um yeah, it's it just the good. fact that they they kind of pushed it too far too soon like too yeah, much too soon with the venom thing it's hard to use Sandman as well because, like, making you him stronger doesn't actually help him fight Sandman. He, the only reason he got beat Sandman was because, like, he the water, right? There's nothing to do with him being stronger. That's where it was kind of yeah. like being stronger doesn't actually help you beat Sandman. So it's like, not no, the but right just the villain. choices that he's making because he's willing to, like, basically kill him I, if he I could. I could see them like, kind of trying to do that, but it's like, it wasn't like I know because of my history with the source chip i don't think anyone that didn't know that that was coming across that it was like making him more ruthless and stronger it's like i don't know if that that was actually coming across to the average viewer right so i think it does because there's a moment where dr connor's i forget the exact word that he uses but he tells peter like none of this stuff got on you right and then peter's like why and he and he says something like it raises your makes it more violent aggression i think he says aggression or he says something like that. Um, but I so think like in lieu you, of doing it against a, a villain, they tried to really hammer it home as the Peter Parker character. And that yeah. was just terrible, right? Like they tried to make yeah. like, it's making him a dick in his personal life, which is like 
Oh, it's like it's well, true I, in the it, again, too, like being like, a uh, dick is one thing, but like just completely coming becoming this emo thing is like it. Oh. I get, I get what they were trying to do, but it, they failed miserably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's just put it that way. Um, it was and, and horrible. Then, and then, like I, you know, the the moment with Gwen Stacy. Although we could argue that there was no need to put Gwen Stacy yeah, in this series. She's shoe because they are kind of missed the boat on dealing with anything with her. Because what were they trying to do? Have them break up. And then at a future movie, like she would be his new girlfriend and then kill her off only to get MJ back. Like that's yeah. a lot. Like that's, no. that's a lot to try and build into a like to plan for if you're trying to make like seven of these movies or something. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you. Hey Spidey, hold on. Bugle needs a photo. Thank God you're okay. Daddy! Hey, I'm the new guy. New guy? <laughs> you okay? Now on, I am going to be taking shots of you for the bugle. So, uh, smile. Are you smiling? Just kidding. <laughs> they got a guy. Who, Parker? Um, yeah, look, just between you and me, guy's kind of an amateur. Have you noticed his stuff makes you look a little bloated? Just, yeah, you know, a little chunky. Okay. But you don't have to worry about that anymore, buddy. Uh, but yeah, like the black suit stuff, it didn't bother me as much. It's more so when it becomes like Eddie Brock and Venom that is really the uh, the worst part of this film. Yeah. So then the final, yeah, the final thirty minutes is just a total disaster. And the only good thing is the whole, I would say, the good thing in the event is him and Harry kind of coming together and saying like it's MJ and like that scene actually is not bad. Like, like I do like that they team up at the end. It's kind of like he gets redeemed a little bit. And that's mm-hmm. not bad, but everything with Venom, even though they didn't even do it looking properly, right? And yeah, no. so far we haven't got a good Venom on screen at all because even the Venom in the new ones, they can't use like the Spider-Man logo on the chest because like not yeah, yeah. Spider-Man's like so, so have, I I think I've never this been in a the good previous. Venom. I think when we when we talked about Venom previously, I mentioned that like the physicality of him is like it's a step up, obviously, from Spider-Man three. Like it's mm-hmm. like. Like the way they got the looks of Venom, it's a little bit CGI, but like it, it makes sense. Yeah. Like they they tried to make a Venom. The only difference, like you said, is the there's no connection to Spider Man, so mm-hmm. there's no way to have a, a Spider Man logo. But I I still think that like so now that we're talking about Venom, like honestly, we talked about Venom being trash. It's mainly trash because it has no connections with Spider Man. And now you have this one in Spider Man three, and I get what they were going for. They wanted like a doppelganger of Peter Parker, someone that was the same physically. And just an evil version. But the problem is we saw him himself being that evil version. And then we see this like weird monster that comes out of Topher Grace. So it's like it's it and the whole setup, like in Venom, they actually go and try and tease like John Jameson, astronaut, and this yeah. whole thing and crashing yeah. down. And this one is just a meteor crashes down. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand. Spider-Man 2, you set up John Jameson. Why not just follow through on that? And do a sequence where he's like an astronaut and bringing it back from space, just like they did in the animated series. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's things about that. Like, they they were a little bit lazy about it, and they could have mm-hmm. really taken their time and set it up properly and do it like they did in the animated series. Because honestly, Sony did the animated series, and they clearly have a lot of love for that cartoon because they keep kind of trying to bring these things alive out of it. But you know, it could have been way better. The point is, I think that there is a world where if we had gotten Tom Hardy's Venom in Spider-Man 3, we would actually might have gotten a decent Spider-Man 3. Like, if it wasn't Topher Grace, if it wasn't like this kind of moronic Eddie Brock, 
and it was someone who's actually delivering on Eddie because I think Tom Hardy's performance in Venom is not bad. It's just the mm-hmm. story and the the script and everything. So if you had someone that was kind of more physically like what we know from the comics, and then um, you have that moment sort of at the end where they tease at the end that he's getting rid of the black suit and 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 it falls on Eddie Brock. I think we would have been really excited to see oh, yeah. what they would have done next with Venom for sure. But the fact yeah. that they just kind of crammed it all in there and you know there's one moment in the third act where um the suit is on its own he gets separate he's using the sound separate which i also thought was funny because when he's fighting sandman there's all kinds of sounds going off and like you don't see any reaction i think it's a limitation from the visual effects but in the final act they're they're showing you that yeah the sound is affecting the suit and you know he gets them separated and then he's going to go blow him up with the goblin bomb and it starts to grow and get bigger. And you're like, oh, Venom, the madness is actually he's coming out. He's going to become like Venom. And then they blow him up yeah. and he's gone. So, yeah, no Venom. No. Yeah. The one him. thing I'll say, because you brought it up, Ian, with the, the whole bell tower thing. They were super lazy with that, too, because it's like as people that are familiar with the Spider-Man character, it's like, you know, how noise affects like the Venom suit, yeah. but in the movie, they don't set that up at all. Like they don't ex- explain how he knew that the bell would help him remove yes. the symbiote. Like he yep. just, he's like swinging around doing his thing. And then he, he looks at the clock tower and he's like, Oh, yeah. that's like how, so but it's lazy. like how at no point in the movie, did they ever set that up of like how noise Yes, would affect the symbiote. It's like he like knew, like did this. No, he just like he just like was ripping it off and then stumbled into the bell and just lucked into it. That's what they want you to think, which is so stupid. But he chose the bell. Like he chose. Like you see him look at the clock tower and he goes there with purpose. And then yeah, you're right. It's like he stumbles into the bell and it upsets the symbiote, and he's like, "Oh, this is working," but it's like. Just yep. the way they set that whole thing up, like they. This guy's they a bumbling it... idiot. He literally yeah. asked God to kill Peter Parker, not Spider-Man. Oh, oh, Peter uh, Parker, Topher Grace, yeah. Eddie Brock. Oh yeah. Basically goes <laughs> to church, kill. kneels down, and goes, "God, I want you to kill Peter Parker." I come before you today, humbled and humiliated. to ask you for one thing. I want you to kill Peter Parker. This guy's a total moron. That, that character and, be, and all brutal. because he ratted him out for doctoring a photo. In the Which test. he was guilty of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, sorry that you made a massive idiotic mistake and tried to cheat your way into like a job. Like it's your own fault, buddy. Yeah. Um, but the what Ian brought up, oh my god i cannot agree with you more that the way that venom came to earth they're just it's just a scene and they're just mary jane and peter and then all of a sudden just out of nowhere the symbiote just comes down from earth and just lands and they happen to be right i know beside them. it's like because that's the stupidest thing ever i'm sorry that's just so lazy but it's you, not even like they didn't have the setup from the cartoon. They had all the pieces. Well, that's there what I'm saying. They yeah. had John Jameson and Spider-Man 2. You have to have so the setup like, of the spaceship crashing. It's a big scene. That's why Spider-Man goes there to be the hero. The symbiote is on the spaceship. That's why Spider-Man interacts with it, right? Otherwise, it's like, 
what are the chances a meteor falls to earth and lands right beside spider-man of all no, people it's, it's ridiculous <laughs> it no sense. It's that plus like again like i don't know how many times i've seen this movie because i've obviously watched the first two way more but watching this back i'm going the thing's just chilling in his bedroom the whole time. Yeah, for like it's literally just in his bedroom, an hour, and then minutes, and then yeah. when he needs it, basically, or when the story needs it to kick in, it finally creeps up and takes him over overnight. But like, it's been in his bedroom for like presumably days, just like chilling out. Yeah, that was like yeah. the weird part. It gets on his bike and is act is like traveling like so fast, climbs on his bike, and then it's like, yeah, it's like it takes like a four day nap. It's like yeah. <laughs> at least in the at least in the venom film like it's traveling like it's going from wherever it crashes and it's making its way through people to get to because it's a symbiote like it needs a host so it's like it it is it's really like it's it's unrealistic that it's gonna sit and like chill and hang out like did it attach to a plant or something like i don't know but that was the mind-boggling thing is that every single villain that spider-man faces in this franchise where they seemingly want to make as many movies as they can make as many dollars as they can in the comics, he has an impressive rogues gallery. We always talk about how many villains he has in these films. They literally kill off every single one of them. Every yeah. time he faces a villain, they kill it off. No, mm-hmm. like, well, no Sandman chance lives, for... I guess, but yeah, yeah but like, he's like sort of redeemed. Like, I don't think he's going to become yeah. a villain again, but like, then who knows? Cause like, oh my God, be popping uh... up. Sandman being the one responsible for killing Uncle Ben. <sighs> yeah, that was, that's just no. You didn't like you didn't like that one. No, no. no. It's supposed to be the guy Spider-Man lets go. That's ruins no, his origin it's, story. It's, it's true, but Ugh. I think that um, the way they kind of did that is they still. It's like they're you know shedding more light on it, and then it's something where he's able to reconcile with that moment and actually forgive him. I thought it was a kind of a redeeming quality of the story. Like, yeah, yeah I, they kind of went back on what they originally did yeah. in the first one, but he's still involved with it. So it's like, he's still part of the reason why it happened. So yeah. both of them together were the reason why uncle Ben got shot. Really? I just don't you think about it. That's a sacred moment. You just can't touch. That. No, it's, like, it's true. On. It's true. But like, you know, I, I think because his character was well written in the delivery and knowing that that was the direction Sam Raimi wanted to do was with Sandman was, I, I think it's still kind of fit and probably would have been a little better if we weren't too overwhelmed with everything. Yeah. So maybe they did another, like could have done it something slightly different where Sandman maybe was involved and he forgives them, but not to be the one to kill like that. I don't know. Anyways, yeah. uh, did we, we don't have to talk about the whole dancing scenes and no stuff, right? but i will okay. say Those like in relation to the whole dancing scene like at the restaurant and then when they're trying to like kick him out and he hits mary jane at the very end of the movie like when they kind of like show him and mary jane like kind of getting back together at no point between those two instances in my mind does he ever redeem himself for what he actually did to her yeah. yeah. Like he yeah. was a complete. Like he gets a pass for having a symbiote yeah. attached to him no. or something. Yeah. But yeah. He, no, but she never knows that. Yeah. Like at no point does he ever explain that, like, he wasn't himself. It's like he saves her from the whole Sandman, like, Venom thing, but he never, like, really truly explains what happens. And, like, 
It's yeah. like she just forgives him because he saved her again. Like it's just so what the me, very very like, end, well, just kind of like like I said, her character is right? very underwritten. Her yeah. character yeah. is terrible by the end of the trilogy. So it's, but it's like, so not like clear. It's like at the very end, he just doesn't he just like walk into her restaurant and like then it ends? Is that right? Like I can't quite remember now. I think that's how it ends. I think she steps off the stage and kisses him now. Hmm. I feel like we were like toned out of the movie by then like we were just so happy for it to be over we don't oh really, they like, they remember. dance they share a dance they dance that's yeah. what it well is. that oh yeah that's right she's yeah. like a lounge singer mm-hmm. right she's back at her place of work she's singing and uh you know that's hilarious too because she's in mid-song sees peter stops mm-hmm. and yeah. then presumably there's no music playing because she stops singing <laughs> so if you're not focusing on the two of them the rest of the restaurant's like what the hell just happened yeah, and, and then they just start dancing to no music. It's that crazy the, that this all the, the choices bar would even let him back in the building. Yeah. Like he literally like beat up the bouncer yeah. and hit a waitress. Yet you're telling me that like there's no picture of this guy at the front of the restaurant <laughs> being like, "Do not let him in." Like, <laughs> oh my god, yeah. the movie it's is so the, bad. It's written so horrible, and the it's way so lazy. It the, is so lazy, the, and it's like it's yeah. just like. For how good the first two movies are, it's such a letdown. That's why and, it's heartbreaking. And I and I really don't yeah. think it's like I, I. To me, it's like I don't think it's fully studio, um, tampering. I like I feel like the actors like didn't give it their all. Like they gave up on it. The director gave like I just feel well, like everyone okay. gave up on it. Well, how did well, they not? There's know a there reason was, for that. Can you look at the script? I literally wrote down every cheesy line. Like, mm-hmm. how many did I write down? At least ten. I could run down a top ten of the cheesiest lines in this movie, and they're like ridiculous. <laughs> like, first of all, my number one is when uh, James Franco is in the diner, and he's just like, because this line is hilarious. <laughs> I I think the line's hilarious. First of all, mm-hmm. but he says it to the waitress. Peter's already left the room. He's like, she's like, how's the pie? He's like, so good. Yes, you know that meme? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like, he's got that James Franco smile. He's like, so good. Like, I love that because it's so hilarious, it's but it so makes stupid. No it's funny. Yeah. So bad it's good. In kinda. the movie. And then, of course, when, uh, when Peter, um, you know, finds out about Eddie Brock um, getting the staff job, I'm going to put some dirt in your eye. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> Uh, but I do love how when he does that and then they have their little altercation, he goes, you're trash, Brock. I love that. Yeah, I love trash, that line. Bro. You're <laughs> trash, Brock. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, you want forgiveness, get religion. That's um, Remember when he confronts uh, Harry Osborne? Yeah. And he's basically like, um, what does he say? Like, oh, look, look at little Goblin Jr. You're going to crash? Yeah, crash. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that scene. He like beats the crap out of Harry, like scars him. Like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, man. There's and then like the whole like thing that we said we wouldn't talk about the dancing, but when he enters the thing with Gwen Stacy, he's like, find us some shade. He whispers some shade? Yeah, <laughs> we laughed at that one too. Find us some shade. And then he's like, oh, dig on this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my man. God. Oh, yes. So yeah, for I think uh, is it across the board? This is the bottom worst Spider-Man movie of all of them. Like, it's, oh yeah, for me, it like is, you yeah. know, we we teased ahead that we were going to be ranking these at the end of this thing. It's definitely on the bottom for me. 
Yeah, yeah so, there's no contest. No. So I think we tried at the start to sort of uh, come up with some redeeming qualities, which I think we did an okay job, but yeah, we mostly just... just hey, I maintain, when you're watching this, especially as a trilogy, and you're watching the first 35, 37 minutes, like, it's actually, it keeps in line with what's happening in the first two movies. It's setting up the next villain. It's doing a good job with most of its through lines, and then just Eddie Brock shows up, and he's like, Betty Brant, bop, bop, boo, or whatever. He's like, <laughs> I'm just like, this movie's terrible. Like, it's just yeah. like, that was the, the other thing. Topher Grace shows up, it's game over. When he first like shows up in the movie, and it's like Gwen is hanging from the building, and he's like, I'm dating your daughter, but he's like so excited about the fact that she's like dangling to her potential death. Like Spider-Man's nowhere to be seen at this point in time. And yeah. it's like Gwen is literally oh like holding on to the side of the building and the he's movies. like, This is awesome. It's just like yeah. oh my god. How no one like Sam Raimi or no one just said like, you know, what are we doing here? Like that's what I mean. It's like how did how did none of the actors like step in and be like, I'm not saying that's fine. <laughs> like it's just yeah, something better. Like, uh, how did Toby Maguire not be like, I'm not dancing down the street, snapping yeah. my fingers? Like, absolutely oh, not. <laughs> All right. A, yeah. So, it's, final thoughts. On, uh, yeah. Final thoughts. Just, we, I think we, we, we said it all, I think. Well, the Spider Man trilogy, um, I think if you look at the other major comic book franchise that came before, which is X Men, you know, it started out with a trilogy. And I think a lot, there's a lot of love for those first two, and then it kind of dips by the third one as well. Mm-hmm. I think for me personally, the Spider-Man trilogy is it, it beats the X-Men movies, um, and it, it takes number one. But then I'm also a little biased because Spider-Man was my favorite superhero as a kid. So um, you know, going back to those animated series as well, I preferred the Spider-Man over the X-Men, even though I like both of them. And uh, yeah, I just think there's a lot to love about this trilogy. I mean, obviously, we just gave you a whole laundry list of reasons why you don't ever need to watch Spider-Man three again. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, uh, I still think that Sam Raimi did a great job bringing Spider-Man to the big screen. And I think overall, um, you know, he's part of the lexicon now. And like, he was always a popular character, but he made him, anytime something gets blockbuster dollars, you get, he, he legitimize uh, something. Right. So like Spider-Man became like this worldwide phenomenon after that. And, and I think we've gotten some good stuff. You know, even teasing ahead to the Andrew Garfield stuff and uh, Tom Holland, I think we've gotten some good stuff since. And it's all, they all owe thanks to that first trilogy. So, I think absolutely. Was, yeah. 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 And I think, like, when you say, you know, the trilogy, I think we're mostly talking about the first two when we say positive things. But yeah, the yeah. first two movies, I absolutely love the first two movies. I don't think the third one takes away from it. I still think, I still think Toby Wire is my favorite. That's how much I like the first two, regardless of this third one. It's just that much more heartbreaking that I love the first two this much that this one was so bad. It's like, it's like you know when we talk about like when I'm, I'm hard on like Star Wars, it's because I have such a love for it. I hold it up to so much more uh, on a pedestal that when it like disappoints me, it disappoints me that much more. Right. So that's why I give this movie like a 0.5 out of five stars, even though just because of how how much I love the first two, it sets up. Uh, it sets me up more for extra excitement or disappointment if it's really bad like this. So that's what's heartbreaking to me about this one. Yeah. And for anyone that's like poking holes in any of this stuff, it's way easier to do with the first trilogy ever. Right. Like the, the, the later ones, it's like, I think aesthetically they all kind of progress and get like 
more uh, advanced in terms of the visual effects and everything like that. But then it's really about the story choices and this and that that they start to yeah. pick apart. Um, but even this, like, I, I still think watching it again, it holds up uh, for early 2000s. Um, you know, I, there was that, that one sequence when he's fighting with the uh, Harry Osborne, you said looked a little uh, gimmicky. I thought still played, and uh, even even in Spider Man Three, I thought that it still played pretty well. Um, uh, with, you know, as a, as a sequence in the film, but I, I did I, I think about Harry Potter uh, catching the golden snitch when he was going after that wedding ring. Um, but that, that I don't know. Even even the some of the bad stuff um, early on in Spider Man Three is not as egregious as once you get the Venom reveal. So, but yeah, no, overall epic trilogy. Any final thoughts, uh, voice power? No, I think you guys pretty much like nailed it. Like first two movies are so epic and I'm glad that we went back and watched it because I do think that like Spider-Man three did leave a bad taste in my mouth with that trilogy. So it's like, it's nice to go back and watch and remember how good the first two movies actually Yeah, were. Next time we're going to watch just the first two and not three, and then we'll have a really good I'm taste. I'm absolutely in our mouth. not watching that movie ever again. <laughs> There's no need. There's no. no need. Like literally, um, I, you know, I, Sam had to suffer through it because I had it on uh, Spider-Man three. And every time there's so much Kirsten Dunst screaming in that movie, Every time she screams, Sam's like, what are you subjecting me to? Like, it's actually painful. So, yeah. So, there's there's a lot going on in Spider-Man 3 that just we don't need to yeah. uh, suffer through ever again. All right. Nope. So, there it is. The uh, We finished talking about the uh, Sam Raimi trilogy, the very first Spider-Man trilogy. So, thanks for uh, sticking with us through the whole episode, if you made it this far. Uh, coming up next will be... Uh, us talking about the amazing Spider-Man movies, the Andrew Garfield ones. So amazing! Uh, we're gonna do we're gonna do the next the, those two movies in one episode, uh, leading up to uh, Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man. Uh, no way, no way home. home. That's what it's called. Blank. It it's hard second. to recall which home yeah, reference they're exactly. making. <laughs> yeah, Homecoming, no Far so, from Home, No Way Home. Yeah, so really excited to uh, dive into the next Spider-Man movies and then watch No Way Home. So. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, again, the podcast is called Back in My Day. Follow us on social media at Day Back In. And uh, rank, review, subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts. It really helps. And thanks for listening. Ian and Wife Power, thanks for joining me. And hope, Dave, you can make it back Always. next episode. And yeah, so uh, peace out. Parker, hello, you're fired.